Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. squad and welcome to ranks fc my name is jack collins and i will be your host today joining me is the rank god mr sam tai hello buddy hello mate and of course our transfer guru mr dean jones hello mate how are you i'm all right mate i'm all right it looks like the uk has a map out of lockdown there oh, is oh. a plan now no, we'll almost certainly muck it up but, uh, but while, At hope, the moment. while hope remains, we, uh, we're, we're all in a good mood. And so we thought we'd take that good mood this week and push it towards football. So this episode is going to be all about the things that we cannot wait for when the world and the game opens up again at large. And the you know bits and bobs, they'll be different from all of us, I'm sure, but that have us most excited for getting back into stadiums, getting yeah. back around the world and getting back stuck into the game we love, which we've missed for... Wow, nearly a year now, boys. Nearly it's a, a year, year for me, mate. Oh. March 7 is the anniversary of the last time I set foot in a stadium. It's coming up very soon. So, I think mine just passed. It's I've been pretty bleak. I've got March 2. So it's oh. all it's all pretty tough for all of us. But um, yeah, we have a plan. Right and that means right we're going to look forward to happy days. Um, but before we do that, we're going we're gonna to continue the loving as usual with uh, things we love. And DJ, I'm going to throw it to you first, mate. <laughs> okay, mate. Well... The thing I love is a story that has broken over the last few days and it's just basically bringing you with where we are right now. I'm just going to read out a newspaper headline uh, says Aston Villa banned players from fantasy football after news of Jack Grealish's injury was leaked. This is absolute classic Um, football clubs always getting annoyed um, with stories the media make up or like gossip or you know leaks and all these kind of stuff and they're trying to find out where it's all coming from it's their own players it's their own players so what happened with Aston Villa was that on Friday um, the transfer deadline passed for FPL uh, before um, Wolves played against Leeds Um, and it was a couple of days before Aston Villa were due to play against Leicester now what happened was a Twitter account called FPL Insider (laughs) posted a tweet saying that Aston Villa players, Matt Target, Conor Hurahan and Neil Taylor, as well as Aston Villa's performance analyst and a physio at Aston Villa, had all taken Jack Grealish out of their sides. Like, not just put him on the bench, they had transferred Jack Grealish out of their team. (laughs) Now, as a result of this, everybody picked up on, and like, what? Why would they do that? And it was like, must be injured, must he, Jack Grealish must be injured. So as a result, like Twitter was full of like rumors about like Jack Grealish is ruled out, is ruled out. Um, obviously then there's the potential that Leicester would have found out that Jack Grealish wasn't playing for Aston Villa. Um, well, they did, they did apparently. Brendan they Rogers did, was exactly. prepared. And they were, they were well prepared for an Aston Villa without Jack Grealish. Um, and now here we are. 
Aston Villa players banned from playing FPL. Um, and there's talk that other teams are going to follow suit because they're concerned about these breaches of privacy within the squad. Um, look, I mean, it's amazing that there are people out there so ingrained in FPL life that they are picking up on all these little leagues that are happening throughout the game. But it is rife. And I've seen a few um, tweets actually over in recent weeks of being like, oh, I've just been monitoring like the internal Chelsea FPL squad league or whatever and uh, noticed that so-and-so has been dropped. It's like, OK. Yeah, Alioski was... Um, oh, Alioski. Was, was, so yeah. Bam- Bamford took Alioski out of his team That's and right. he'd started like 18 games in a row. And then he took him out for the Wolves game and did, he was dropped. He didn't play. And I was like, what the hell? So obviously, like again, that's not an injury. That's just like, he's not playing. So it's team news. It's leaks team news. It's hints to other people. So yeah, it's uh, it's an issue that doesn't just affect Villa. It affects a few. And fair play to these absolute sleuths, by the way. Yeah, out absolutely. There. I think I don't think we should be punishing these people. I think we should be rewarding them for their knowledge and, and insight into the game. Absolutely. Look, you're never going to stop people telling... You know, what's the top to stop me looking at Jack Grealish's brother, his Instagram, or his yeah. FPL team? Do you know what I mean? You're not going to assume that just because it's not a player that's doing the, the that's making the changes that suddenly everyone else isn't right. There are there are loads of different routes you go down with this. So are you going to stop people telling their family and friends? Like, there's no chance you ever get that done. Like, there's no point chance that someone's not going to tell their brother or their, their dad or their mum or their sister that mm. they're ninja for the weekend. And that's going to affect teams. So where does this stop? You just, you, you, you have to not play FBL if you know any footballers. Like it, it just seems like a really weird route to go down. Yeah. I mean, if I was um, at Aston Villa or something this week going into FPL, I would definitely get the lads together and be like, right, let's all put like Davis in our team. <laughs> Like everybody make sure you've got Davis and everybody throughout FPL is suddenly going to have Davis up front this week and be expecting to start. Uh, <laughs> Red herrings. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Like yeah. they've got to start throwing those out there as well if they want to carry on playing. But it sounds like Aston Villa are banned, well, if not totally from FPL, then certainly from picking Aston Villa players. And I think that that's what will happen now. All players will be told like you can play FPL, but no picking our players. Yeah, well, Jamie Vardy captains himself every week, doesn't he? That's the um, that's the line about Jamie Vardy. So I'm um, I'm um, good luck trying to tell Jamie Vardy that he can't captain himself every week. Yeah, yeah. We forget that. Yeah. No requesting coming. <laughs> Sam, what's your thing you love this week? I'm just overall loving Eintracht Frankfurt yeah. and the the rise up the table, the five win streak, the obvious plus point here that the, the kind of headline act, which was the the two one win over Bayern Munich. Uh, at the weekend, like a very well-earned 2-1 win as well. Like for 60 minutes or so, by far the better team. Had to do a bit of defending at the end, as you always will have to when you're hanging on to a result against Bayern. Should have had a penalty for 3-1. Yeah, right. I mean, we love Fonzie, but that's a red card and that's a penalty and that should be 3-1. But hey, it was only two, but they managed to hold on. They came pretty close to conceding at the death, as is often the case. Lewandowski puts the pressure on. Bayern will start slinging the ball in the box and... Like we've seen Bayer Leverkusen in, in this position, uh, holding on to holding on to something and just failing at the death. And it often feels like the story that, you know, you probably need a three-goal cushion against Bayern to get anywhere and two goals isn't enough. But Eintracht Frankfurt proved that wrong this time. And look, this is just the culmination of an amazing run of form. They even managed to do this without Andre Silva. Yeah, yeah. And Andre Silva has scored 18 league goals this season from 20 appearances. That man is on fire. So well done to everyone that stepped in. Luka Jovic. Really good. Right. 
member of the rank squad. Very, very good. Amin Yunus, very good. Philip best player Kostic, on earth. very good. Daichi Amin Yunus Kamada. might be the best player I've ever seen. Yeah, maybe. There's, maybe. A, there's a conversation to be had about Amin Yunus being absolutely money. <laughs> I also saw a little video someone posted on Twitter where he'd scored. The goal that he scored against Bayern was just like, was sensational, right? It was yeah. sensational. But he scored an unbelievably similar goal for Ajax like three, four years ago. So man's got form. Man's got form for it. But Eintracht as a team now into the top four. They look really well built, really well balanced, defensively solid, really well settled. And they've got uh, six or seven attackers they can put into any kind of system and just let them flourish. You know, you've got like Barcock coming off the bench. You've got Kamada playing in the 10. They've got options and they're, they're talented and they're so well coached by Adi Hutter. And look, I'm... I'm a bit of an Eintracht simp. So I'm loving this more than most, but it's good to have some fresh blood in the top four race for the Bundesliga. I'm sure Dortmund fans probably won't thank me for saying that and they don't really agree with me, but this is a this is a very, very fun story. And the headline result of the weekend really hammers home just how far they've come in about a year because a year ago, they weren't very good at all. Yeah, I mean, both Wolfsburg and Frankfurt into that, into that top four and they're both playing incredibly well. They're very different sides. Um, Wolfsburg just don't concede goals, whereas Frankfurt are a little bit more open and, uh, and free-flowing. But it's nice to see some some of those sides back in it. And, and it's nice to see Frankfurt bouncing back after, you know, it was a tough campaign for them uh, last year after losing Jovic, after losing Allaire, after losing Rebic. And, you know, to, to, for them to, to have kicked back in and, and, and rebuilt again, and we spoke about this a little bit more on, on Monday's episode and whether they can keep those players and keep Freddie Bobic, the director of football. And with all of that in, you know, in mind, it's just nice to see them back at it. And Wolfsburg, I remember being, well, there was some force at one point, weren't they, with Graffiti and Jekyll oh, up God, top yeah. and they won the Bundesliga under Felix Magat. Um, but we don't we don't mention that name on that on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, they were they were once a, a top side too. And it's nice to see them back amongst the mix and, and, and back, you know, looking very, very good all of a sudden. So, yeah, like you say, I'm sure Leverkusen fans won't thank us. I'm sure Gladbach fans won't thank us. I'm sure the Dortmund fans won't thank us. But it is nice to see fresh blood in, in, in that race. Um, I would like to quickly talk about Gerard Moreno, who plays for Villarreal. Um, and he scored an absolute beaut against Athletic Club this weekend. Ball sort of bouncing around pinball. It drops to him the edge of the box and he's coming onto it. First time whips one in to the to the bottom corner of the net. And, and he's already celebrating when he's hit it before it hits the back of the net. Because he just, you know, when you see it leave his foot and you're like, well, that's it, isn't it? There's absolutely no chance anyone's saving that. It was his 14th goal this season in, in 19 games, which is incredibly impressive. But that said, last year he scored 18 goals in 35 games. What that means is that he scored 32 goals in 54 games in the last season and a half. It's a goal every 135 minutes over 50 plus games. He is an absolute gunman. And there is no world, no world, that Gerard Moreno should not be on the plane for Spain to the Euros this summer. He is an absolute beaut of a player. He runs games in some ways in the way that he comes off his wing and just really, really starts to dominate. And it just worries me that Spain might not take him and they absolutely should. And I just want to make the case here for the Spanish FA who I'm sure are listening that it would be really, really silly if you didn't take Gerard Moreno in the form that he is in to this summer's Euros. Thank you for coming to my table. Great pitch. Great pitch, mate. Yeah, he'll be very grateful. Good agent. 
good work. Yeah, absolutely. Right. After a break, we're going to be talking about the things that we cannot wait for when we are allowed to return to football stadiums. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our main ranking. A little bit different this week. We're all going to be chipping in here and there with our hopes and dreams for the post-lockdown football world. I thought I'd just give you a little bit of the the kind of landscape, I suppose, is probably the right word, especially from here in the UK, where we're looking at the 17th of May. From that moment, 10,000 fans allowed in stadiums, which means that there's potentially there's going to be fans in for the last weekend of the Premier League season, which is just an unbelievable turnaround from where we were a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, even, even just then. And then the 21st of June is supposedly the earliest date that there is a full-on locks off, which means full stadiums, which means you're allowed to travel around the country, which means you can go to, to games, which means that things should start to go back to normal for the start of next season and potentially for some of this summer's European championships. And with that, Sam, I'll, I'll pass it over to you and you can, you can get us started with what you're looking forward to most. Come on. Yeah, my, my, three, my three things are, all three of them are sort of equal parts, things I, I dearly miss about football and things I'm looking forward to doing again. So they kind of, they kind of fit both strategies and they're more overarching points. I'll be interested to get your guys' top threes after this one, but mine, mine are more sort of general, I think, than I, I suspect maybe Jack's is going to be. I, I reckon one of Jack's is going to be watching Abubakar Kamara sink a penalty. For Dijon. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> at a Dijon game. <laughs> yeah, precisely. So at number three for me, I'm just going to call it community. And the word community is the literal opposite of what we have been doing for a long time, which is isolating, self-isolating something we've had to do for, well, some of us a year almost, and, and particularly since since December, since the latest lockdown in the UK, I, I haven't seen any of my friends for three months, basically. I, I, Dean, I last saw you in March. That's mental, isn't uh, it? Last March. Uh, <laughs> Jack, it's been sort of four or five months. We had, we had a drink together at one point when we were allowed to sit on the same table in a pub. Uh, but it's been a while since that as well. And so that community element, the friendship element, but but the community doing things together on mass, same goal has been sorely, sorely lacking in my life for a long time. And, and for a lot of other people's as well. And football is, is community. I mean, there are different levels to it, but at the very base level, you all turn up to the same place to do something. And mm -hmm. that, that is, that, that is the crux of a community. And at a more intense level in football, you all turn up at the same place and you throw your support behind the same thing. You sing together, you agonize together, you celebrate together and you despair together. The most important thing is you do it all together. And that is something that I just don't get to do. Like the only thing I get to do with anybody at the moment is uh, win Call of Duty Warzone with three others on quads. That's literally <laughs> the only community element, anything to my to my life at the moment. And just, just being able to collaborate with other humans and do the same stuff as other people in person Football is an outlet for that, and that's something I haven't done for ages. I'm just looking forward to that. Very, very basic, like so smid smidge of serotonin, please. So just mad. a smidge. Give me one droplet. Yeah. I'm lucky because I've got, like, Dylan. He might be three years old, but he's become my best mate. So, basically, I've just turned him into, like, I'm just pretending he's, like, 23, 33. <laughs> and uh, he just has to do, like, all the same things I do. So, to escape, I haven't left my hometown in since last march 
Mm. <laughs> Coming up to a year. I'm never tired. I've been on a train. I've done anything. So yeah, Dylan's had to become just just had to grow up really fast. Um, so to, to escape, you know, we'll do things like eat a bag of crisps in the car, and I'll have a coffee, and he'll have a bottle of water, and you know, he's, he's chanting, he's doing football chants that I'm teaching him off of YouTube, and like it's that lad culture. That's what I've missed, and I totally <laughs> get what Sam's saying. And uh, it's quite hard to get a three-year-old into it, but he's done his best to make up for. Yeah, fair play to him. He's putting a yeah. real shift here for you. He really has. I tell you what's even harder than getting a three-year-old to do any of that stuff getting a cat to do it <laughs> <laughs> my cats are not interested in that at all no i like this though it, it's true though and and we often I, th- I think in the you know we, we live in a very global age right and it's easy to forget that that so much of this is based in the actual you know community aspect of it and i don't mean that in just the the old basics of you go to a club that's near you and you support them and you you, you turn up on mass in the pubs and in the in the stadium etc but you know if you're across the waves in America and you're waking up at five in the morning to go to a pub in San Francisco to watch an Arsenal game. That's as much a community. Do you know what I mean? That's there's, there's, there's no difference there. It's the same feeling of belonging. It's the same feeling of uh, dread when you lose that game two nil. It's the same feeling of, of, you know, being part of something. And I think that we've, we've missed that in the last year because, you know, social media is brilliant and I love it and I'm not here to to, you know, to wax lyrical about the the evils and demons that exist in Twitter, but it is a place where you know a lot of people fight. <laughs> it's a place where where arguments often ring louder than than solidarity, and I don't think you find that quite as much when you're when you're all together. You know, even if you disagree about something, you tend to be pulling towards the same direction, and things aren't often taken out of context and made into you know World War Three because of the way that they're. They're, they're portrayed and I think that that is missing at the moment and it is meant that a lot of people are a lot more spiky about everything and all debates seem to be like deeply entrenched rather than just being you know flashpoints between you know differing viewpoints and, totally, and yeah. that I I'm, think we miss I told yeah. you like recently like I mean you noticed but I have barely been tweeting in the last like month six weeks it just got to the point where like it's just kind of fed up with it and I was just like I don't want need this right now like I've got enough going on in like my head of like just want to escape this boredom and this mundane way of living um and I don't want to like tweet something and then just get even like if the majority of like comments you get back are nice like even if you get two or three that are sarky or annoying or horrible it just really plays on your mind for a bit and like you know I'm quite lucky in terms like don't really consider that I've had mental health issues or anything but like you do get in this really like weird place in your head when you haven't left these like four walls for so long and you just I just like I need to just like get away from I don't need this I don't need it like so apart from like tweet the other thing about ranks or something I've written I just laid off of it because you're right like sometimes you just want like real connections like Mm. as much as Twitter's good for us and our careers and stuff like that and I'll be back no doubt sometimes it's not a nice place is it yeah, I, I just feel the need to tweet about Chico Conceição, and where would I be able to tweet about the Porto manager's son winning two penalties? You probably don't get much hate for that, though, do you? You probably don't get much hate on that. I also don't have the same followership that you two do, so I don't get the same. Uh, I don't get the same. I mean, I'd probably get backlash. away with that. Yeah, just about. <laughs> Sam, what's next? So at number two, it is going to sound a bit weird, but you're going to have to bear with me while I explain it. And I am excited to be in blissful, confused ignorance over what's happening with VAR. 
Now, don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong, stood in a stadium and doing whatever the hell they're doing with a video review system is not a good experience. That You know, there's a good chance that the first game you go to, there'll be a couple of them and they've not done a very good job of communicating to people in the stadium what's actually happening, right? And presumably after a couple of games, I'll absolutely despise it again. But for the first couple of games, it's going to be a breath of fresh air because I have spent the last year, <laughs> the last year watching broadcasts dissect these situations over and over, drawing lines from people's asses to rule them offside, questioning the rules. That coward Peter Walton, oh <laughs> my God, building a 100 foot fence to sit on top of when he's asked anything, anything at all about refereeing decisions. And I, the worst thing is I've gone onto Twitter sometimes, I've fallen into those holes and I've, I've spent hours cumulatively arguing with people over the rules, over the laws, over the competency of referees, over the values of VAR, over whether or not that should have been offside or was it a foul. I even like I even found myself arguing with someone over the wording of the IFAB on the laws of the game over that Harry Maguire semi-Ajayi offside slash penalty overturn VAR incident. And I got so angry about it, so worked up about it. What the hell am I doing? Yeah. I just imagined myself while I was preparing for this podcast and thinking about the reasons I really want to get back into these stadiums. Just imagine being stood there and being like, I'm not really sure what's happening, but in a couple of minutes, we'll find out. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. And again, after a couple of games, you'd be like, well, what the hell is happening? Blah, 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 blah. Like you, you, you start to get irate about it. But having spent the last year dissecting these to a ludicrous degree and not being able to get away from it, and it being such a focus of our lives, of, of coverage of football, to be stood and just not really know what's happening would be quite nice. Yeah, I, I like it. I think this is a great shout. I mean, obviously, I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it when that first goal gets ruled out, when the yeah. first check happens. It's going to be really uncomfortable and rubbish. There's going to be loads of people singing like, we want our football back. It's going to, yeah. be, it's going to be really yeah. grim. But like, at the same time, I completely, completely get your point. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is as well, that, what is quite funny though, what will get me through those moments is obviously like when you're at football, there's always those angry, there's a few angry people sat around you always or stood around you and like they get so worked up. No matter how the game's going, they'll always find something to moan about. And those people like losing their mind over VAR, I'm actually quite looking forward to that as well, to be honest. That's going to make me really smile. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there are lots of things like that. Like I'm looking forward to seeing someone losing their mind over something. I'm looking forward to like standing in a queue for a pie. And yeah. I know I'm British, I'm English, so like obviously I love queues. But yeah. like obviously the halftime rush for a pint in the pie is hell. Yeah. It takes between 15 and 20 minutes. So you either miss the, the, the last four minutes of the first half or you miss the first 10 minutes of the second half. Always miss either, the last four of the first half. Either way, you lose both, time. Both, both preferably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll notice if you come to a full-on game with me, I'm gone 10 minutes before half time and back 10 minutes after half time. Sometimes yeah. I don't come back. <laughs> I, I, I've definitely done that too. Newcastle away once left at half time. <laughs> stay in the just stand in the concourse watching on the little tv which is yeah, exactly bit, yeah. which is a little bit behind everyone else and so you can hear the crowd react to things before you see them on the screen absolutely great yeah, madness madness but anyway into number one and uh, this is a really really special moment for me and it happens in every single game of football i go to no matter uh, what location what country what stadium if i'm supporting the team or not it doesn't matter this happens every time it's the moment that you first catch sight of the pitch. 
So you've walked from the concourses and you often go up some concrete stairs and you step out and you are inside the arena and you get the first glimpse of quite a lot of empty seats, probably an hour before kickoff or so. Look, not everyone arrives with that much time to spare, so maybe you don't get this, but this is the bit that I appreciate, that the pristineness of the stadium, the perfect grass that hasn't been cut up, the sprinklers are on, maybe the sun's refracting off the water. And I just think that that is art. And I always take a couple of seconds at the top of the steps, steps when you step off of the concourses to just appreciate the pitch and just the perfect art form that it is because I know what's about to go down and I know that the groundsman's about to be creasing over the amount of slide tackles and fouls. But that site, those, those couple of seconds before every game are just perfect. And they just stand as little moments in time, little crystallized moments. And it's my, it's one of my favorite parts of the match day. And I haven't been able to do it in a long time. And I, I miss it dearly. It just gives me a slightly different feel. And it could be like, it could be Wembley. Um, it could be Old Trafford. It could be Villa Park. It could be, could be, could be Crawley. Like it doesn't matter. Like step out and just take a look at that stadium. Take a look at the pitch for a couple of seconds and just, just bank that memory. It's just brilliant. Yeah. It could be Hamwell Town. When yeah. I, when I went back to non-league football in December, that was I, that was genuinely. I think I just stood there looking at the pitch for a good sort of five ten minutes, being like, "Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is great." Um, and I, I, I can't. Well, I mean, I can't wait to get back. I'm sure that non-league football will open first, right? The, like the way that it unlocked. I don't think. Don't know because I don't think there's any chance that those games are going to come back on. I think the seasons are dead. This season, I think they've all been written off. They did vote yeah, to be, close them. There might be they? friendlies. There might be friendlies. There might be friendlies. Like that might be a chance. Like through the summer, yeah, non-league clubs will probably have early friendlies. That might be your best bet. Yeah, mm. because you're allowed in non-league stadiums because they're not You'll really be allowed in. Yeah, like yeah, because true. there's no stands and stuff. It's just basically lots of people standing around a park. I yeah. mean, that could be an absolute sesh. That could in the sun. God, yeah, that yeah, could yeah. be a great way to spend the summer. How many non-league grounds do you reckon we can do? Over can we just ground, non-league ground hop for, <laughs> for a couple of friendlies? Yeah. Like, confined. All right, cool. Let's lock that one in. As, uh, that was good. That's, that a was podcast. Good, that's a podcast in itself. Yes. Sam, thank you very much. Uh, DJ, what are your three? Let's hear it. Oh, right. So my first dream is to watch football in a pub with my mates again. A lot of you will have seen the tweets going around about, you know, that first day. So yeah, we come out of hopefully of lockdown completely on 21st of June and get our freedom back. And on 22nd of June, England are playing Czech Republic. That day could be absolute chaos. And I hope it is. Um, I it could be, I think will be. Well, if it goes ahead is what <laughs> I'm saying could. Like yeah. if, if that, if, if they manage to stick to that and they agree to let us all out in time for England v Czech Republic, mate, that's chaos. I think um, you'd be allowed in the pubs either way. I think by that point, you'd definitely be in the pub. I don't yeah, think well, you'll no, well. be in the ground. That's why I've said that, you know, this is what I'm envisaging right now. I'm imagining that 22nd of June, I'm definitely watching that England Czech game with all of my mates, like properly in a pub or outside a pub on a big screen or whatever. And like, obviously, pubs will be open a little bit before that. So hopefully, I'd have even watched a game in a pub with a few of my mates before that day, even if it was in a pub garden. But I want that feeling of when, you know, it's an evening kickoff, right? So you go and meet your mates mid afternoon in a pub somewhere, have a few pints, wander down the high street grab some crap food 
um, eat that on your way to the next pub, have a couple of pints in there, and then you're ultimately ending up in your destination for where you're actually going to watch the game, which is another pub around another corner. <laughs> um, ultimately, like me and my mates have got a pub that we typically do watch um, England matches in. So I imagine that's where we would head for this one. And I remember when in the last tournament, particularly when England beat Wales, was it we scored a last minute goal against Wales? Yeah, Sturridge. Sturridge. So that's the one that's been, that's the moment that's been getting me actually since this announcement. It went absolutely mental. And I just remember like we were so crammed into that pub and like the pints were flying. Like I remember I, I had a pint that was like probably almost three quarters full and it just went, it just went. And like, we just lost it. Um, and I want to do that again. I want to go mental for like a late Harry Kane winner or like Kane scores a hat trick or whatever it is. I'm even looking forward to like struggling to get a pint and the queue and like the crush to get there and like being short and struggling to get noticed. And it takes me 25 minutes when some other <laughs> bloke six or four could just walk up and get one. Um, I want to lose this my This is why voice. we send Sam to the park. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never send me to the park. It takes me forever. Um, I want to lose my voice. Like all those things that I just took for granted at tournament football. Just want to be back in the pub with those mates that I've done it with since I was a kid, you know? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great shout. It's a great shout. And, and I think it's a nice one because it's not necessarily even about the actual stadiums, although that no. would obviously be better once stadiums are full, you know, yeah. and there's an atmosphere that you're feeding off. And I think part of that is that, right? That you're feeding off an atmosphere that's in the stadium and it's coming back to wherever you are watching that game. And that it, it does matter. I think it matters hugely in terms of, of drilling that atmosphere up. And, you know, like you say, hopefully on the, on that 22nd of June, that will be a full stadium and a full pub. And, and, and I think that will be, that will Gosh. be a moment comes oh of... mate if that actually happens i'm so excited but What's next mate? that's only my number three number two my other my next drink is to go to old trafford with my dad again now for christmas 2019 yeah it must have been i got my dad uh tickets to a united game i think it was against sheffield united anyway the game was in march and it was basically the week after all this covid stuff hit so the game never happened. Well, it did happen, but it was probably in like June or July <laughs> and it was behind closed doors. Um, so I've got him tickets. Like my dad's been taking, my dad's a big Man United fan. Literally been taking me since I was six years old. Went to my first game at Old Trafford when I was six with him. When I was younger, I could, I literally grew up going to watch Fulham and Man United. Um, and so every season we make sure that we get to a game, at least one, and um, haven't done it now for these two years um so yeah I just want that feeling again you know we he lives around the corner from me and I don't know if you've ever experienced what it's like it's so different from going to football I guess with with your mates and stuff but like it's so good and like you meet your dad and you go to train station and you get up to Euston and you're like grabbing your bacon sandwich and your coffee and you chat in and like get a few beers and like it's obviously not like the chaos that you would have with your mates but it's a different buzz um and it, you know uh, we get up to Manchester and we always go to like the same pub which is near the stadium um next to like Lou Macari's chip shop which my dad loves and he gets his fish and chips he goes in he learns some of the chants and he tells me some of the stories of when he used to go when he was a kid and trust me some of those stories are mental about how they would like go into like the away end and like 
pull down the gutters so that all the piss from the fans ended up on the QPR away fans and stuff. And like that stuff like that happened in the 70s and 80s, like yeah. just seems like alien to us, but it was quite normal back then of what you would do to opponents, fans and how like fighting kind of went hand in hand with football. Like, I love hearing all those stories. Like, I'm pretty pleased it doesn't exist anymore. because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd stand much chance. But, um, you know, I just love all that. And I miss, I, I just miss that, like, that emotion of football, you know, I've, I've seen, I'm lucky, like, I, I get to kind of see my mum and dad still throughout, which I know a lot of people don't at the moment, but um, not the same, want my day out, you know. Jack, you go with your dad to football, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have this with my, with my whole family as such, in terms of all of my, my dad and his brothers are both Fulham, their kids are all Fulham. We have, you know, one black sheep in the family, and then my aunt decided to support Brentford, but we don't talk mm. about her. Um, I've met her. She's awful. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's one of those ones where you look at it and, and it, that is, you know, there's is a very different vibe to going, you know, to your mates. It's very different to me and my brother going to football. And But there are days where it's like, all right, we're all, we're all in for this game. We'll all meet here. And it, yeah, like you say, it's a different buzz, but it's a buzz nonetheless. And I think it's probably different for me because your one involves that whole trip. And there's something yeah. about the trip. There's there is always the something about the trip, right? And I'll get onto it as one of my one of my yeah. points. But um, there there is that. But I, I do think that there is a certain special kind of moment when when that kind of thing happens because the, the you know the reason the reason I'm a Fulham fan is because my dad was and because his dad was before him. Mm. And you know the fact that there is a family kind of connection to it all does does bring me like loads and loads of joy. And and therefore when it does happen, it's rare to be honest that that happens for us because. You know, my uncles and and, and their, their kids don't live near, that nearby. They often drive, so it's not like they're going to go to the pub for the you know a couple of beers beforehand or whatever. So when when it does happen, it's, it has to be quite like vividly organised. But when it you know when when those moments happen, they're special and 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 I cherish yeah. them. I, I look forward to the first one back. Dude, it must take you a good three and a half hours to get to Old Trafford. Yeah, it does. Yes, we leave. We usually leave at like eight a.m. and the train will pull in at Manchester like midday. Yeah, so um, yeah, the train, yeah from, I mean, the train from Euston these days isn't too bad. It's like just over two hours. Yeah, but to get to Euston from your but gap. to get to Euston's an hour. Yeah, that's the problem. So, um, but that is part of it. Like Jack says, like genuinely, like I can't wait. Especially now I've got kids, I can't wait to get out of the house. Can I? Like, <laughs> can't ever get a six a.m. train out if Dad wants. <laughs> <laughs> What's number one then, DJ? Like, lads, my ultimate dream, I think, right now is the fact that, look, we can now do anything we want with this podcast. We can go wherever we want. We can watch whatever football we want. And we're in control. And I haven't ever really had this where I've been able to combine, like, my actual passion of football and my work of football and just bring it all together and decide what we're going to do. Obviously, BR was an amazing job. And we've loved it. And we loved every minute of it. And the trips that we did get to do were, were brilliant. But ultimately... We couldn't just say, oh, next weekend we, we're going to go and watch AC Milan and we're going to do a pod about it. Like that wasn't in the remit, like it wasn't possible. Um, now we can. And I'm daydreaming about us going to watch a game in Spain or Italy just because we can. You know, I want to go, I don't know, Madrid and like, enjoy the markets and the cafes and the gastro bars and like soak in the atmosphere on our way to the Bernabeu meet some cool people like I'm probably going to chat to more people now when I go to football especially abroad because like taking that for granted totally like going to watch football in different countries and just like rocking up and watching the game and then leaving like need to need to really 
take in these occasions and like the culture around these matches. And I'm looking forward to that. And watching a La Liga game in real life, not on La Liga TV. Look, thank you, La Liga I'm TV. I'm going to miss the adverts. So I'm going to miss the ads. I'm going to still watch the adverts. I'm going to record them on my phone and watch them at half time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I want to... And we can make content around all this cool stuff we're seeing. Look, I'm just using Madrid as an example here, but I don't care at this point. If Jack wants us to go to Betis, I'll go to Betis. I just want to experience, like another country i want to go and their local food and beer and wine and the game and that whole package that comes in and do it overnight and then come home the next day like 24 hours in another country and watching football i'm so buzzing that that is going to happen again next season like it's it's there it's in sight and you know this aren't what we're talking about our dreams here it's not like we're dreaming about like winning the lottery or england winning the world cup or like Marrying Mbappe, I think, yeah. Yeah, marrying Mbappe, all these things that aren't going to happen, but I'd love to. Um, This is realistic stuff, lads. Like, we can go and do almost whatever we want. Like, just need someone to invest some money. But apart from that, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Nice. Swing it round. Round table investment follows this podcast. (laughs) It's a... I'll go fund me. It's about learning, isn't it? I I think this is, like, really intriguing. Like, it's about going and learning about new cultures and new clubs and new fan bases and and getting to the heart of what matters to different people. And I think that's kind of key, right? We see so much of it online and we see so much of it in the history of the game. And there's so much you can read about the history of the game. And, and trust me, I do. Um, but but when you, th- there's something so special about learning it firsthand from someone who is there. And now I remember being in Florence and talking to the fans about what, what it was like about being a Fiorentina fan and trying to get into that kind of the heart and soul of what it means to support a club. Yeah. And I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to to kind of explore the different avenues of, of the kind of heart and soul of what makes these clubs tick and what makes these fan bases tick and, and to share that with the world because that's ultimately what football means to me. And, and I think that to, to be able to go and tell those stories is, is amongst the, the things I dream of most. And, and, and yeah, I'm with you. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Yeah. I'm actually going to cry in a minute. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all misty idea, lad. Come yeah. on. I got, all, I got all sad. I got all sad when you started talking about going to the football with your dad because I haven't seen my dad for like six months. God, yeah, that's that's why I, was, I counted it with, look, I know I'm lucky I've even seen my dad. Like, that's the thing, man. Like, mm. this is a crazy world we've been living in. The fact you haven't seen your dad for six months is insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in the, since, since I last saw my parents, my mum's broken her leg and recovered oh, yeah. from it. And recovered. <laughs> and recovered. She's done a Gibral Cisse double leg break and, and she's out the other side. She's kicking a ball. She's not. Good. Um, <laughs> that was a good gibberish ranking back in the day. That was a, that was a special one. That um, was. Right. <laughs> I'll move to my Come one. Jack. Uh, my one's a little bit more specific, I think, which is quite nice. Uh, we've got a three. Uh, my first one is I can't wait to get to Naples. Okay, that's uh, good. This right. is always going to come, but I've always wanted to go to the San Paolo, right? It's, it's always been my kind of top of my hit list for a long, long time. And now it's no longer the San Paolo. It's the Estadio Diego Armando Maradona. Um, and Napoli are, are a, a club of cults, really, aren't they? They're a, they're, they're a cult-supporting club. They are a, a fan base that are almost mythical in their support. Naples is supposed to be the most incredible place. Um, you know, not necessarily all light and bright and and beautiful, but in terms of how much is historyed and storied in those streets and, and what's going on, it's just a place I've always wanted to visit. And now with the kind of 
added significance of, of Maradona's spirit being imbued in this. I just, it, it's, it's kind of gone up a level from the kind of top of my hit list to the, the ultimate football destination, as far as I'm concerned in my head. So mm-hmm. that's one I'm incredibly, incredibly excited about. I cannot wait to go to Naples and see Napoli play preferably on a champions league night, because I mean, obviously there's the, the whole thing about them. You being able to hear the, the, the champions league anthem from, from the stadium for miles around. And I just want to be part of that. I want to want to feel that and, and understand what it is to support, support Napoli and, and be part of that, that part of my life. And yeah. So, so going to the Estadio Diego Armando Maradona is, is incredibly high. Uh, yeah. the Have you been now. to Naples otherwise? I've never been to Naples. I've never right. been to, I've done a lot of, of, of Italian cities, but never Naples. So, um, yeah. so it's, it, yes. it's irritating that I've been I've been to Naples twice. I've actually spent three weeks there in total, but I was seven <laughs> and nine, oh, okay, I think. And enough. I mean, I, I mean, I, look, I picked up my fair share of knockoff Del Piero shirts for ten euros. Okay, I did my bit, but my parents never took me to the San Paolo possibly fair enough seven-year-old yeah. english kid just going um what you know what's, what's going on here uh, <laughs> yeah but yeah that's go- goosebump stuff really isn't it it's like that's what you want to that's what you want to feel and like especially the whole maradona thing that's added another layer to that um something you've always wanted to do and now there's going to be way more emotion when fans are back in that stadium um and listen that's a passionate place anyway but there is just that added extra like oomph behind everything they do now for the foreseeable until they basically win it when they win the trophy like that's going to be ridiculous and like there needs to be fans there when they win a trophy like absolutely it would have been it would have been it would have been criminal if there wasn't fan base there when when napoli won (laughs) you'd imagine the outpour outside the stadium um second in my list is again specific but i've never seen leo messi play in the flesh neither have i what and I yeah. especially haven't seen him play in the flesh at the at the camp now. Oh, lad! And I wish to rectify that. Yeah, you won't quickly. get the chance. Um, now this is potentially going to be a problem, um, <laughs> and it does does worry me a slight bit that that I might never get the chance. I think I will get the chance to see him play in the flesh now. I'm, but I'm not 100 percent sure it's going to be at Barcelona. And, be only have to go to Manchester. Yeah, I'll only have to get. I'll get on the train with you and your dad, but uh, <laughs> we're going to the blue side of Manchester, not the red one. Um, yeah, it's it's something that's kind of bugged me. I've never never seen him play in in real life, um, and. I would like to change that. So number two on my hit list was see Leo Messi play in real life, open brackets, preferably in the camp now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. This is this is like one of the things that Rach holds over me, by the way. Rach has seen Messi play in the flesh and I haven't. Oh my goodness. And she does she does rub my face in it quite a lot. Right. Yeah, reasonable. So. Yeah. I mean she she got caught she got corporate tickets to Arsenal versus Barcelona. Oh yeah. Um so it wasn't like she she like you know, went out of our way to do it. <laughs> went, went off went off to Spain for the day uh, without me or something like that. But yeah, she was given the opportunity, um, which is yeah, it, it bugs me as well. And uh, I may have left it too late. Yeah, mm. it's it's a killer. You have Dean. You've seen him play. Yeah, I've seen him play quite a lot of times, to be honest. Um, Dean was at a Champions League final when he yeah. uh, crushed it. Playing a Champions League final, I've seen him play in the World Cup. I've seen him play. I haven't actually seen him play in La Liga actually, but me, yeah, I've seen him play quite a few times in Champions League. Um, yeah, I've probably seen him six or seven times. Um, who was better player, live? Should... <laughs> who was better live, him or Kevin Gamero at the Mustaya? 
<laughs> I think Gamera actually was to sit at that day. I he did. I remember you saying it was a rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I think he had an absolute mirror. It's something that I'm extremely jealous of. And just one of those one of things. The thing is, I've been to the camp now like three times. Well, I've what you never see Messi. here, your hopes aren't dead here because um, if Messi leaves Barcelona, right, he's going to PSG or he's going to Man City. Both those teams are in the Champions League. So are Barcelona. They'll get drawn against them, and you can go and watch Messi at the new camp in the Champions League. We'll just be playing against Barcelona. Oh, which is, I don't think I'd is... like that. I think that would make me uncomfortable. Uh, number one on my on my list, the the full kind of thing I'm looking forward to most is just going on an away day, hmm. like just full stop. I don't know. I don't care where it is as long as it's like at least an hour outside of London. Yeah. Um. You know the kind of eight a.m. at the station the beers, everybody piling on, like the train platform being full of Fulham fans, everyone just get, you know, hopping on the same train, meeting everyone there, just, you know, finding an Irish pub in whatever city you're going to and just sort of piling into that, going there and never to be losing 2-0. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, and then the whole coming home, getting back on, going to, you know, getting around and then going out afterwards. The whole full-on experience of an away day, I crave, like, almost nothing else like it's just the entire experience of what it is and now i know this isn't you know it doesn't happen everywhere and i appreciate that especially in countries that are a lot bigger than this little rock in the middle of the sea um they're away days are a lot more arduous task. <laughs> people driving 14 hours to go see their team either way and i appreciate your hustle um but i don't think that's for me what i need is you know a two and a half hour train preferably max yeah. you know getting up to ideally somewhere kind of just around the pennines you know up between leeds and manchester in that kind of neck of the woods yeah. take leeds um, away or something yeah leeds away manchester either of the manchesters away but you know also like bolton wigan burnley blackburn but you know Not wherever it is like whoever it is <laughs> wherever it is somewhere in that kind of that kind of element and and i'm just happy as larry and yeah, that buzz and that create that kind of being part of an away fan support as well. I, I think this goes underrated. Is yeah. it is so much better being part of a fan base away from home than it oh, is, it is at home. It, you know, it's mystifying really about when it comes to season tickets and people spending all their time going to home matches when you'd be better off just really going to a few home matches and then going on like seven or eight aways and using that money that way because it's such a better experience and like watching your team win away from home is amazing and the whole day out that comes with it for people outside of England that haven't experienced what it's like on a Saturday going to football by train come and have a look because you get to these stations in London in Manchester in the Midland and it's like 50 clubs going in different directions it's a network of fans crisscrossing all across the country all starting drinking basically at like 7 8 a.m all with the, all meeting up with their mates all properly dressed up for the day as well they fought out their outfits mm. um it and everybody's going across getting to their games and then on the way back obviously it can get a bit naughty sometimes if you cross over some fans that have like lost and they're coming back from the game they're angry and they're drunk and like sometimes you know stuff happens and like i'm sure like for the network police like they've they've loved this not happening to the past <laughs> <laughs> but um it is honestly like that's a massive part of english football isn't it and it's something i can't imagine what it's like for people that don't miss 
games like there are people out there that go home and away every single week for their entire lives and that's how they live and they haven't done it for the last year and you know what have those people been doing they must be so lost um wasn't there someone that like an everton fan that had been to like like every single game they hadn't missed a game for like 27 years or something like that and obviously due to a pandemic you can't continue that streak how heartbreaking is that a 26 you can't just start again can you the guy was like 60 no but hang on bear in mind like if he goes to like the games as soon as he can again i don't think that streak is broken i think that's unfair i mean i if i was in charge of the ruling jack i would say so but i'm not and i've spoken to the guy that is apparently the streak (laughs) the streak is done it's dusted he's gutted he's gutted Uh, yeah yeah, so that's my three uh an away day i think something we haven't mentioned that we should probably just dane to talk about a little bit is the euros being you know going ahead this summer and for a while, it looked a little bit ropey, this. It looked mm. like genuinely like there wasn't going to be a European Championships. And now it looks like there might be a European Championships not only going ahead, but with fans in it. And yeah. and suddenly the whole narrative around this tournament flips completely on its head. I can't wait for this. Suddenly we have an international tournament that is going to be incredibly exciting. Yeah, come yeah. on, Slovakia. Come on, Slovakia. Woo-woo. I'm a bit sceptical. I still don't like the fact it's all over Europe. Like, it's the worst time this could have happened. Like... I don't know I don't if that will happen. It might change that. England is, you know, we're trying to get the tournament held in England now. Like, they're like, look, just come and play it here. It'd be much easier than all this hassle. And like, we've got loads of stadiums and we've got loads of hotels and we can we can deal with this, right? And one that would be obviously great for the government. That's why they're trying to do that. And two, um, yeah, it would make the tournament better in my eyes, um, especially as the first games. The first probably two group games really are going to be behind closed doors or at least pretty much behind closed doors. It'd be a few thousand fans in there, but you know, when you get into those last group games and going into the knockouts, we're looking at full stadiums and um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I'm excited. Are we, uh, are we equipped to host? Don't know. Probably not. I mean, our vaccine is rolling out better than most. So maybe our we'll vaccine. Be really, this is what I'm not sure about. Like just because we're ready what about everyone else? Like, I know we've got this vaccine that we're all going to have had by June, July. Oh, I, I don't think uh, I was. I was kind of making the assumption that we'll be able to go and, and potentially travel, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, by kind of September. I wasn't yeah. assuming we we're going to be able to go start bopping around Europe in May. Same. Uh, what about like people that have bought tickets for the Euros are from all around Europe? So, like for that, that goes games at Wembley that are ninety thousand. Well, those people aren't all from London. They're from around Europe as well. Like so, it's like, oh, that's going to get a bit weird. But I this don't know. is why we're not in charge of logistics. That is why we're not, and we don't care about it right now. We're just trying to be really excited. Yay! It's just, it's just <laughs> positive vibes here. It's just positive vibes here. And um, we're going to put an end to those positive vibes though after the break because Dean has a melon of the week, and we'll do the gibberish rankings. Stick with us. <laughs> Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for my favourite part of the week. Dean Jones, the floor is yours. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Thomas Tuchel. Uh-huh. Melon, melon. I now, thought look, this was going to come. He's only been here a month. He's only been here a month, and look, he's done a pretty good job overall. Um, 
it's not too much to slag him off for, but I'm going to over this because brought on Callum Hudson-Odoi um, at the weekend against Southampton, brought him on at half-time, uh, had a pretty good game from our eye, um, then took him off in 76 minutes. Poor old Hudson-Odoi. Now, it, look, he I'm, it's not even that that I've really annoyed about, okay? That's happened before. What I'm annoyed about is what he said about Hudson Adoy when asked afterwards why he took him off. He said, I took him off because I was not happy with his attitude, his energy, or his counter pressing. We demand 100%, and I feel he is not in the right shape to help us. Um, sometimes I take decisions to win games. Um, it's not a problem if he has a bad game or has a miss, but we cannot lack energy, even 10 or 5%. It's not possible. And I wasn't happy with his body language. He knows what I demand from him. If he doesn't reach his level, that's why I make a decision like I did today. Um, this is a lad who has been pretty good for him since he came in. Um, was, as I say, having looks like one of Chelsea's best players once he came on. Was very creative. Um, he's 20 years old. Now, he's got to be slightly fragile mentally, given the way that his career has gone so far. Could do with his new manager just backing him, to be honest. And even if he's not having a good game, take him off and just say, look, I've spoken to him about it. Um, it was just a tactical thing. Um, it'll all be forgotten by the next game. But he didn't. He singled yeah. it out. And now this is a problem for... Look, let's see. I mean, they played Atletico Madrid and we'll see what happens there. Maybe, maybe Hudson-Odoi deals with this fight. It just seems to raise an issue and cause a potential problem that seems to me quite unnecessary. Yeah, I'm kind of with you here. I, th I think Tuchel has probably over-explained himself a little bit. And I, yeah. I pre first of all, I appreciate managers talking and I don't like the way they're sometimes so intentionally obtuse and just like secretive, but there is a balance. And like, he wasn't only just like brutally and way too honest and open about the Hudson-Odoi thing and, and just led to more questions. But the player that Hudson-Odoi came on for was Tammy Abraham. And Tammy Abraham was obviously subbed at half time, which isn't the nicest thing to happen to anyone anyway. Uh, it's not as bad as being subbed after like 25 minutes, but it's not great. And he also said about Tammy, because obviously the assumption was, oh, he got an injury in the last game. He must have been feeling it. And he was like, no, just wasn't doing very well. It's like, dude, stop it. <laughs> what are you doing? I read it. Just like chucking players under the bus one by one. Who's next? Which well, other I've... academy graduate would I, would you like me to screw I, over? <laughs> I don't mind it. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to counter this. I don't mind it at all. I quite like this straight shooting. Like, as in, I think all the players at Tuchel will know exactly where they stand. And, and I think that he's going to be like that. I don't think we see a massively different Thomas Tuchel to what happens in the dressing room. And I think that, yes, there is an element of this that I completely understand why you've done this, Dean. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that yeah. it's like a particularly weird thing to, to have given him. But I don't mind managers talking straight. I, I don't mind them saying, look, took him off because he wasn't very good. It hasn't ruined our relationship. I believe that he'll be good in the next game. If I, I would be surprised, I think, if we don't see Hudson-Odoi feature tonight at any point in the game against Atletico Madrid. And with that said, I, I haven't got a massive problem with him being like, it weren't very good, so I took him off. Like, we see this every week, right? We see players get substituted every week in like the 60th minute who just aren't playing very well, right? And no one has to, no one feels like they need to explain themselves. No one asks a question, but like, if your player was playing desperately and you subbed them off, right, at 60 minutes, no one ever asks managers about that. They never go like, oh, you didn't, you took Stefan Johansson to the off today because he gave the ball away 15 times. Like, you don't get that question asked you, but you only get it when it's a player comes on and comes off again right and i appreciate that that is more weird it doesn't happen as regularly but like if you asked 
every manager, about every substitution, most more of them would say, I took him off because he wasn't playing very well. Like, and and I don't think that that's that weird. I just think it's probably about probably about twenty percent overboard, I reckon. But it was uh, just like how many things he came up with that <laughs> wasn't doing well. <laughs> like, also, also, just to be clear, uh, we record on the Tuesday, so uh, Atleti Chelsea yeah. is tonight, but it's also yesterday. Yeah, also Hudson Adoy's probably just had a blinder. That yeah, he won. scored a hat-trick and he's gone to <laughs> hug Tuchel after the second one. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lifts up his shirt and it just says Tuchel forever in print <laughs> on the other shirt. I love tellings off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is the gibberish alarm, Samuel. Okay, this one is fresh from my home three things that are much harder than they should be mm. okay okay seemingly this is this is like these are like i did one a couple of months ago maybe maybe a fair bit ago about menial tasks that feel more difficult than they should be and i sort of i sort of riffed off that it's like a version 2.0 but this is more to do with just like just general home stuff and and at number three is sweet potato fries because I just can't get them right and I think they're really annoying and this is the reason I always order them at restaurants you know how there was there's become a bit of a theme at restaurants like last couple of years where you ask for chips or fries and they say oh would you like sweet potato ones they're like two pound more and everyone just kind of goes okay I mean I think a lot of people are just kind of sleepwalking into uh into that decision but I I make a, a point of ordering sweet potato fries because whenever I try them at home they're either burnt to a crisp or as soggy as anything and I just can't seem to get them right I don't I mean I don't have a deep fat fryer for a start so that's probably where I'm going wrong but if you just oven bake them it just doesn't seem possible I've tried every brand every different type I've I've tried the cubes as well I've tried sweet potato cubes that doesn't work I don't know where to go from here yeah it is difficult um Taylor is obsessed with sweet potato fries and she's pretty good at them as well she kind of has nailed it but I'm with you I can't get it right I can't get it right. Um, well, we need to speak to Taylor. I'm surprised you haven't. Uh, well, I just let her get on with it. <laughs> I think the answer, there's a brand called Strong Roots, which seem to be the easiest ones to make. Um, so try them. I think they're about two pound a bag, mate. Okay. Um, and they Tuppence, are good ones. Tuppence a bag, feed the birds. Yeah, um, they are... Uh, they're, they're good as well, those ones. But um, yeah, I'm totally with you. There. I, I assume you're cooking, like making these from a sweet potato, right? You're like uh, cutting up a sweet potato. That's even you're harder just... to get right. right okay, is... right. This well, is where you're going wrong. You're buying pre-prepared sweet potato fries, right? Mate, what you no, gotta no, do? No, 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 spend no, some no, time with some sweet potatoes. And no, you don't have them. to buy. You don't have to buy. You don't have to chop up baked potatoes no. and, uh, to, to make the work. Like you could just buy frozen chips, and they they're just good. So why hasn't the sweet potato market caught up? Yeah. Because sweet potatoes need to be, you know, the, the key's in the name, right? Sweet. They need to be given some TLC, a little bit of tender loving care, <laughs> if you want them to, if you want them to treat you right. Now, if you're like me and you make your sweet potato fries by cutting up fresh sweet potatoes, you get them spot on every time. And and they, they're my friends, is the advice. Oh, I can't. No, I've tried that before, and they are rock hard. That, that, <laughs> that you have to cook them for about two hours if you're going to get them. Yeah, I've done. I've done a, a scrub baked... them and soak them. You scrub them and soak them, and then then you chop them up. And then you mm. and, the, and then you, you give them a little bit of oil uh, and a little bit of time in the in the grill. Everyone's having a good time. Everyone's okay. enjoying themselves. Fair enough. Well, you I'll give that. that a go, but I'm pretty tempted to get an air fryer at this point because <laughs> or a takeaway. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. All right, number two, similar theme: carbonara sauce from mm. scratch. Oh. Very, very intensive process and not easy. 
look, I'm not a genius on the ins and outs of this, but basically two out of three attempts become scrambled eggs and one out of three attempts become thrown down the drain because I'm bored and fed up and I've done something else. So I think it's a quite an arduous process. You have to be very careful with the level of heat and how quickly it happens because it will scramble and you'll turn out with scrambled eggs on pasta, which is not what you were set out to do. But look, I think there's a real good case for doing a lot of things from scratch and introducing that element of TLC for a lot of things to do with food. But I wholly recommend just buying a tub of carbonara sauce if it comes to that specific element. If you just want a carbonara, just get the sauce. It costs a quid. Honestly, <laughs> don't bother. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I'll, I'll, I'll appreciate this. This is, this is a very, very tough labour of love. Um, mm. It is often worth it, if you get it right, though, the, the joy... Of, of getting a carbonara sauce right is is almost unparalleled in the culinary world if i'm honest um you know the, it is a genuine feat in yeah. you know up there with, with with making your first like proper curry from sauce without like a curry paste like absolutely like you genuinely like bashing up like ginger roots and stuff that's uh but this is this is a tricky one and i will give you the you know the benefit of the doubt here all right, well, on to number one then. Uh, we step away from the culinary world and just talk about my own personal defects for a moment. I can't whistle. And oh. I th everybody else seems to be able to. So how is this so bloody difficult? Oh, yeah, I, I can whistle, so I can't really help you. Here, so no, really. I'm not saying, like, teach me. I'm just saying, like, why am I so stupid? I don't know. Recently, oh. I learned how to whistle with two fingers in my mouth to make it louder, which is uh, genuinely something I've never been able to do. Yeah, I can't um, do that. that recently, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think it comes with musicality, Sam. I got to say, <laughs> just like I'm, gr I'm grade one piano. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I just think like when you, it's like one of those things when you're like left alone without an instrument against the world and the wider elements. It's like the last thing you've got left is the ability to whistle. Um, so, so I guess it's probably just you know born out of necessity, really. Oh, do you want to hear me try? Yeah, of course yeah. I do. So, I want to hear you try and do the start of Mr. Bojangles, but but anyway, anything will do. <laughs> This is a, imagine this must be the most incredible listening experience for everybody having to put Do it for 10 it. more minutes, mate. Yeah, exactly. This is just, the, this is the end of the show now. This is our new theme music. Um, so, so this is, so my dad is an incredible whistler. Obviously there are levels to this stuff, but he, he just like whistles entire songs, right? And there are people out there that can do that. He did it all through my childhood. And obviously you, you, you emulate your parents, you emulate your father, you look at things that they can do and you copy them. That's what children do. They copy you. And there's him just like, like, just like whistling away all sorts of things and there's me in the corner going it's <laughs> like you're having an asthma attack <laughs> just failing <laughs> and i did ask him like how to do it and he did he did try to tell me and it's just i think it's just genetics yeah uh, i'm sorry about that Maybe. You, can you click your fingers yeah okay that's good i couldn't click my fingers until i was about 16 and then suddenly or was well, so i clicked with the wrong finger i clicked my fourth finger oh that's no weird one, uh... that's really weird what oh, that's weird yeah, yeah I can do I can do these. That's okay. Yeah. That's there you go. With that fourth finger. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't that work at all. Works for me. I can't that I can't, was a I can, mute for me. I can click with my third finger, but it's louder off my fourth. Um so yeah, there you go. A little, little bit different. You know, I am a little What's bit. What's a show that was? I am a little bit special. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, I think it's probably time to call it a day. What's I don't think anyone's listening anymore. No, what's that for me to do? Say thank you very much, Sam Tai. <laughs> Thank you very much to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks MC. Thank you for putting up with us as usual. Um, and we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and it's brought a little bit of joy and life 
back into your lives. We've very much enjoyed ourselves. We'll see you next week, Rank Squad. Take care. Peace. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. 